Kids are costly little buggers, man. Did you know that you have to feed them every day? So Nobody yeah, told me that. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was one of those unknowns. Um, yeah, I didn't realize how quick they went through underwear and other things. They're expensive, absolutely. <laughs> hey, everybody. My name's AJ, DC Park, and welcome back to the Wealth Idiot Show. Before we get any further, please make sure to destroy that like button for the YouTube algorithm. It helps us out tremendously and it helps spread this message of financial peace to as many people as possible. So back to today, we've got a, another collab podcast happening. We're going to share some articles, talk about what's going on in the world. Um, I don't know, maybe you have some differing opinions and yell at each other. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's worth a shot. Yeah. So how are you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, you know, gearing up for Christmas. How about you? Man, the same. I think I bought everything I needed to buy, and now I just have to wrap everything. Yep. So I'm uh I'm looking forward to the point where I get to see my kids open presents because I have no idea what they are. My wife did all the shopping, <laughs> so it's a really good surprise for me. <laughs> now, see, I did all that this year, so well, there I you know go. What, what's uh what the haps is. So I'm pretty. So pumped. your wife will be surprised. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a few things in there I wouldn't mind getting myself, so we'll see what happens. It's good Christmas though. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing about being like a grown boy is like you buy stuff for the kids and you're like, oh, shoot, I'd play with that. They got to save up my money. Yeah, I mean, two birds with one stone. Yeah, for sure. All right, so what do we got first? Uh, so I think we're gonna talk about cash first and. Probably not in the sense most people think. So, you want me to intro oh, this? Wait. I got, I got cash. You know, see, million dollars right here, man. So I've got like, I don't know, 20, 30 bucks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll talk about that. So, cash. Um, everyone loves cash, right? Amen. So I love that we have cash, but I hate the concept of holding a lot of cash. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. I'm okay. okay. So, uh, no, so I, I talk a lot about cash to people. And uh, when I'm talking to friends of mine, one of the common things we talk about is how much money do you just keep available? And when I say cash, I'm talking about, you know, a accessible savings account under your pillow in a safe um, safety deposit box, like means you can get at it really quickly. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. Um, and I always respond with, I don't know, like a hundred bucks. And then they give me a look like, you know, why, why would you only keep a hundred bucks? And uh, I mean, now that you're saying that, like my, the actual cash I have on hand is probably like, I got $30. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, and, and I think people are probably wondering now, are you serious? You only have a hundred bucks in your bank account. Well, if I didn't have rental properties, the answer to that question would be yes. Um, in this case, I have a little bit more because as you and I both know, things come up with rentals and I don't want to be caught off guard. I'd need some cash to cover uh, random expenses. But at the end of the day, um, I'm pretty against holding a bunch of cash and I'm going to explain why and then I'll let you counter it or, you know, put your two cents in. But, okay. um, you know, let's say uh, I'm car shopping passively. I don't really need a car, but let's just say I've been looking on AutoTrader and CarMax and I'm just wondering what's out there. Maybe I got a little bit of the itch for a new car. And I decide that I want to pay cash because I don't really want to take out a loan. Interest rates are high right now, so I want to pay cash. So for me to do that, I would have to go to my brokerage and sell stocks to get $20,000 to buy a car. Hmm. So in order to do that, I would have to 
sell the stocks at either a gain or a loss. So if it's a loss, I could apply it to my taxes and offset gains. Or if it's a gain, I'm going to have to pay more taxes. So buying a car for 20 grand cash could actually make me pay more taxes. And I know that sounds crazy to people, but it's a reality. Um, so once I decide I'm going to sell stocks, I go ahead and put in that sell order. I mean, how many days do you think it takes to settle? Two to one to two, maybe? Yeah, usually, like if you get it in early enough, maybe the end of that day, but you won't actually get the cash until the next day. I would say that's the best case scenario. Yeah, so a lot of brokerages, when you put in a sell order, um, even if I did it at 10 a.m. this morning, they're going to hold that cash and not allow me to immediately transfer it out of the bank. So I can't transfer it from my brokerage to my bank account five minutes after selling it. That's that's not how it works, unfortunately. So instead, let's say I put in the sell order today and then Monday afternoon, I can finally transfer it to my bank. So mm -hmm. after that happens, my bank is going to take two days to release the money to me. So now I'm looking at Wednesday before I physically have the $20,000 that I want to buy a car with. So that's a lot of steps to get my hands on $20,000. And it could be, if you have a $5,000 capital gain, you could pay another $1,500, $2,000 in tax just because you want to pay cash for a car. So in short, uh, that really rubs me the wrong way. I have a hard time thinking, you know, if I'm going to use cash, uh, I have to go to my brokerage and sell stuff. And then I have to transfer that. And then I have to wait three days. And so it's hard. I've actually made it difficult for myself to spend money on things I don't necessarily need. Um, with that being said, if I'm the other kind of person and I'm holding a bunch of cash, that cash is not making any money. So mm -hmm. if I have cash under my pillow this year, it's lost, I would say at least 8% just because it's under my pillow and not invested. I, and I, I mean, what do you think? Eight, 10, 12? I, I don't know. It's really hard to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, the official numbers say like, what were we at now? 9.1%. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, eight point seven, nine point one. Yeah, yeah, that's arguable. Like that, that's even the real inflation count. So, like you know, we we talked about that a few times on the show. Is like when they are looking at the CPI, oftentimes they'll like substitute items in the CPI to make it as low as possible, and they do this on purpose. Their argument is that like you know we're trying to discover how much it costs to actually survive, right? So if apples end up being like ten bucks an apple and bananas are still only like $1 a banana, well, then they're going to count bananas. And if that switches, they're going to start counting apples, right? Um, but if you look at the overall like data across the entire industry, real inflation is probably closer to like 18%, right? So Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I you think probably that's... lost more than 9%. Yeah, definitely. So that's uh, that's one of the arguments against holding cash. And I don't just apply this. The car example was just a quick one because I, I hear a lot of people, one of their financial steps to freedom, including you know Dave Ramsey, is pay cash for cars. And it, it blows my mind. Like That's a really hard <laughs> sell for me. Um, so in the last case, I ended up trading some vehicles. My wife got a new SUV. I ended up owing about $6,000 out of the deal in hmm. cash air quotes. Um, so in this case, I still didn't use cash for $6,000. I actually tapped into my HELOC, which I had a requirement to use in the first 12 months of opening anyways. So I ended up putting 6,000 on my HELOC, which I'm just going to pay off by, you know, first part of next year. Um, you know, but you could do the same thing with rental properties. I mean, if I buy a rental property right now, I have the money to front 25% down, but I'm not going to sell investments to go get that 25% down even to buy another asset. I want to keep that money in the market and not mess with it. So I would take 25% down from a HELOC and then use that to get the primary mortgage on the investment property. Yeah, 100%. So like, um, 
you know, before the show, we, we were talking and I was saying, like, I'm not a big fan of cash because I noticed when I have cash, I spend it. Right. I look for things to spend it on because it's sitting there. So my brain, I'm like, you know, oh, look, 5K. Like, what can I spend 5K on? <laughs> you Dave, Dave, something. <laughs> yeah. Dave Ramsey's method is like, you know, if you're using a credit card, it's just too easy. And then they've done studies to determine like the pain receptors for when you actually spend cash. Like when you go to the store and hand cash over, your pain receptors in your brain get activated. Right. So his argument is like, do the cash envelope method, get the cash in the envelopes, put it together. So when you go to the store, you actually feel bad about spending it. It does reduce your ability to spend it online. Like, how would you respond to that with this method that you're referring to here? I mean, again, I think for, I think, so I don't want people to mistake my, my theory on this. So I'm, I'm mostly talking about bigger amounts of money. So I think the envelopes, if you're trying to plan a vacation and you think your family vacation is going to be $2,500, I, at the end of the day, $2,500 of lost interest because it's in an envelope is really trivial on the scale we're talking about. Yeah. So, true. yeah. So I'm not going to beat someone up over saving $2,500 in an envelope for a vacation or a thousand dollars for Christmas shopping, which is actually one of my recommendations I made in an article I wrote a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the things are really the big purchases. Um, when you start talking about taking 10,000 plus out of a stock market account and deploying it as cash, that's when I have a harder time. Um, I also have a harder time if you're, you're storing a hundred grand in a safe deposit box. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's brutal. If you've done that for the last three years, you've lost 20 plus percent. So I, I have a hard time with it. Gotcha. So you're referring to like big stuff. So like um, recently, like I, uh, I think the last episode I released was an episode about how I bought a car for free. And I'm noticing that like I'm getting a lot of comments on the video and on and it didn't do as well as I thought it would. First of all, I thought that was really weird. So like I put a video out like how I got a car for free and like <laughs> nobody cared to click on it. Yeah, it, it probably I can't sounded scammy. That. Yeah, and it's the, probably yeah, just yeah, I'm wondering if that's the like case. Nigerian prince thing. <laughs> so then <laughs> everybody's like on you know, people who haven't watched the video, they're calling me out like, you know, this is a bunch of uh, bull stuff. You know, like, and they didn't watch the video. I'm like, you know, go ahead and watch it. And one guy even responded. He's like, I don't really need to. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Like, you know, um, but the argument that I was making was that like, look, I had $72,000 in an investment account. Um, if I was to get a car loan that had a really low interest rate, I could, I know that my paycheck could actually pay the car loan, right? As opposed to trying to pay the car loan um, out of my investments. So I'm going to cover the car loan through my paycheck. I'm going to leave that 72 K alone. So I'm not going to take any capital gains taxes, no hits on that. And that's going to continue to appreciate over time. And then in the meantime, I'm paying down this loan on this car. And really the difference was like $14,000. So I'm going to end up spending $14,000 in interest, right? That was the difference. And that's a bummer, fourteen thousand extra dollars. But could my investments produce fourteen thousand dollars over the course of that six-year loan? Like it's Almost hard guaranteed. set to say that it can't. Yeah, like all I need is the economy to bounce back. Experts are now saying they expect at least a twenty percent bounce back coming up at the end of twenty twenty-three. I just need that, and I've covered this entire car. Like so, that would cover the cost of my loan, meaning that I would at least break even if I was to, you know, have paid cash. It would have been the same, but then any amount of money I make over that is now a benefit as opposing to not paying cash. 
Absolutely. And that's what it sounds like. What you're arguing for is something similar to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think your, your math is sound on that. Now, I'll, I'll throw a disclaimer out there, and I even hit this with my HELOC. I only use my HELOC for $6,000, like I just spoke mm-hmm. about. My HELOC currently has a rate of, it's like prime plus 0.5. I think it's at 7.5% today. Mm-hmm. So on $6,000, 7.5% doesn't really do anything to me uh, emotionally. Spending 7.5% or using 7.5% interest on maybe like 50000 that would do a little more to me. So again, <laughs> there's a point where our argument becomes prohibitive based on interest rate. I don't know that seven five is the number, but you know ten five, twelve five, somewhere it does become uh, a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. And then yep. um, we talked about this too, which was um, oh oh the the part the part I was describing where I had to pay the loan out of something other than my assets, right? Because the whole purpose for the strategy is for your assets to continue to grow. Because as soon as you withdraw them, you're paying taxes on them. They're not growing anymore. That's opportunity cost. So the idea is like, if you do get a loan to pay for the loan outside of that asset that you purchased. Now for real estate, that's really simple because you're not paying the loan with the appreciation of the real estate. You're paying it with the cash flow, right? Yep. So you're paying for the item outside of the appreciation of the asset. So in the case of like, you know, my purchasing my car, I had to make sure that my paycheck could cover that loan because the second I start withdrawing from the asset, I lose out on that compound interest and I'm, I'm jacking with the whole system, right? Because someone responded back. They were like, well, then why don't you just buy a Lamborghini, right? Well, I don't actually have the monthly cash to cover a Lamborghini. Yeah. Right? No, I only had the monthly cash to cover a baby hauler. Yeah. You're, you're thinking, you're thinking is spot on in that. Yeah. Th- yeah. This doesn't work with all uh, types of, so again, I wouldn't call a car an asset, which is exactly your point. I think um, yeah. it works with assets, specifically those that cash flow. Um, but with cars, you know, it's a balance of how you want to do this. And I think the main point we're both getting at is if you have 50 grand sitting in front of you, there's a better purpose to that than, you know, throwing it on a car. I I think we could agree on that. Oh, for sure. And then, um, to go back to the beginning, like one of the things that I learned how to do pretty early on was get rid of cash, right? Like if I had cash sitting there, I wanted to spend it. So like you described, you know, if you put it into an asset, you have to sell that asset. Then you have to transfer the funds, right? That all those steps make it really hard to just spend that cash without like planning it out first, right? So you show up to a Absolutely. car dealership and you're like, look, I'm interested in this car. Like you won't walk away with the car that day, but that's a good thing. It gives you time to adjust, think about it. Is this a yep. decision you want to make? And if it is, now you have a lot of steps that you have to take to get there if you were actually going to withdraw this cash. So one of the tricks I figured out early on in this whole investment strategy was get rid of money as fast as I possibly could, right? Get it out of my main checking account, get it into brokerage firms and invest it as fast as I possibly could. Yeah, I do. And I think that's what you're saying a little bit here too, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm not joking. If I pulled up my, uh, my main checking account right now, there's maybe $60 in it. I'm not kidding. Like that's a true statement. Uh, when I have excess funds at the end of each pay period. So every two weeks, that money goes to the brokerage account. There's not a debate. Um, that's where it goes and it's gone. And the second it goes there, I never intend on it coming back out until, you know, I hit the retirement goals I want or, you know, what have you. Uh, but so Mm -hmm. far I've been sticking to that and it makes a huge difference. So And I do want to disclaim a smidgen here too. Like if you're like an, you know, an early Dave Ramsey watching fan and you're having a hard time budgeting, 
your first strategy, like the first thing you got to do is figure out a strategy that works for your budgeting, right? Because if you get into a situation where you're like, you know, you're having to use credit cards because we're like, we're in a place where you and I both use credit cards, but we like, we're, we're not overspending on credit cards. We know like we've already planned out where all the money's going and we're spending money on credit cards that we're paying back with cash that same month. And we do that, you know, very much purposefully. I think the only time I paid interest in the last like seven, eight years was on accident. Like I just got my payment in a smidgen late. I paid like 50 bucks. I'm like, same, oh. yeah, mine's been on accident yeah. <laughs> too. Absolutely. Yep. Same but, thing. Uh, you know, I get like cash back way above that $50. So I've, I've made way more money off of this than I've lost. Yep. Right. But if you're in that stage in your life, the whole point is to like, you know, the whole, the whole idea of using cash envelopes is to prevent yourself from spending money. If that's where you're at, the idea is to find a way to not spend money. Um, you can use a hybrid of like this method of getting rid of cash as fast as you can while also using the envelope method. Like you said, you don't have to use the credit card strategies for this stuff. If you're at a point in your life where, you know, your lifestyle is just dramatically lower than your income and you're comfortable there, right? Then this is the way to go. Like get cash invested as fast as possible. And then when you're thinking about spending, now you can sit down and decide like, what's the best strategy to make this spending work? What's the best strategy to buy this car where I'm coming out on the other end? the best I possibly can, right? Because it's not always buying stuff with cash. Yep, absolutely. And uh, I I think we can wrap that up. Uh, You know, moral of the story, correct me if I'm wrong, but moral of the story is to plan your purchases and uh, make deliberate choices on how you do things. Exactly. We'll move on. Uh, We look forward to seeing some comments on uh, cash in the comment section. (laughs) So it'd be interesting. Uh, Yeah, tell us how much cash you have in your pocket. Yeah, Throw it down in there. That's I'll great. be the first someone, one. Like, as someone soon as this will releases, have, I'll put someone bucks. will have seventy five grand. So, <laughs> yeah, and then I'll put a picture of me with this guy. That's a that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna get into some news. Uh, I'll go ahead and let you start. I think you uh, you wanted to re uh, or uh, revisit the whole free FTX thing. Oh yeah. So um, just a couple of quick hitters. I have two things. I don't have articles for either one of these things. But they're pretty wide out there. One is our our uh, buddy over at FTX, Sam Bankman Freed, actually got arrested. So we were all, you know, we're we're reviewing all this stuff. We're like pretty sure that he broke the law. Like he he said in his own terms and conditions that he wouldn't do the thing that he literally did, right? And then I saw this um, video of the Wolf of Wall Street guy. What's his name? You would ask me that right now. Yeah, like you should know. You're the one who should know this. I know you caught me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold on. Wolf of Wall Street. We're gonna just look this up. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, Jordan Jordan Belfort. Belfort. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, Jordan Belfort is in the news, and they're asking him like, "What happened here?" And he's like, "I think this is him that they created FTX just to fund their like like their shady investment strategies." That it was just a way for them to bankroll like Alameda Research. And he, he was saying, he's like, this is infinitely worse than anything I ever did. <laughs> right? <laughs> so like, Jordan Belfort was saying that. And That's if you haven't great. seen Wolf of Wall Street, you should totally go see Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, disclaimer, it's rough. I mean, it's not for kids. That's for sure. But That's man, is it worth a watch? Like, it is, it is a crazy movie. And then every once in a while while you're watching it, your brain realizes that this is a true story again. Yep. And you're like, that didn't happen, but it actually did. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's crazy. 
Yeah, but I agree um, Good if Jordan Belfort got arrested for doing stuff way less shady, why was Sam Bankman Freed? Like Sam Bankman Freed went to an event with a bunch of high rolling people to speak at the event after he was caught, right? And yep. like nobody blinked an eye at that. Like why was that at all okay? So I'm excited to announce he was arrested. He's getting charged with fraud. Um, it's going to be a lot of fraud. So we're going to see how this turns out. But um, yep. yeah, that's okay. big in the news. Yeah. The other thing yep. that um, happened was uh, the Federal Reserve announced that they're raising interest rates again. That's interesting. Um, seeing as everyone was saying that this should be the end, in the, the inflation has rounded off, but they raised interest rates again. And while doing so, the statement that they made was that if we're going to stop this inflationary cycle, we have to cause a recession. And we've talked about this on our last episode that we're 99% certain a recession is coming. What we've seen so far isn't it. Really, what yep. needs to have happen, and this is another weird thing. Maybe this is a whole episode we could talk about, but companies are laying people off like crazy and the unemployment numbers are totally unaffected. I, I know. do not understand how that works. I, I have no idea. But the Federal Reserve wants unemployment to like start hurting because that's what's going to stop the wage price spiral, right? Yep. And that's what's coming this year. So they said it again. This is now the second month that they've said that as they're raising interest rates again. So I think that's worth knowing. This stuff is coming. I don't think anybody doubts it at this point. Absolutely. Agree with you completely. Um, I think it probably lags a little bit. So I think we haven't seen that mass mm -hmm. unemployment number yet just because what it's probably been 90 days since layoffs really picked up. Not yeah. counting the Twitter one, which I think was more of a business strategy of the purchase than it was a environmental yeah. layoff. Yeah. But so, you got like Fidelity layoffs, Facebook yeah. layoffs, like, you know, major companies all over the place just downsizing yep. like crazy. Yeah, I think right? we'll see I the unemployment rate. I don't know where all up. these employees are going. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, uh, we yeah. can opine on that later. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I think we should. Um, all right. Is that all you got on that one? Yes, sir. Okay, so I'll, uh, I want to talk about an article. I like going over these. You read a lot of crazy uh, personal finance takes on the internet, and we kind of want to buffer them a little bit so you don't just get one side of the coin. Um, in this case, article title, eight times you should contact your financial advisor. This is an article by Kiplinger, uh, which is a, they write a lot of personal finance, stock articles, business, so on and so forth. Um, I would say out of the eight times you should contact your financial advisor, I think you should never contact a financial advisor because <laughs> you shouldn't have one. So I, I just want to go through these because I think they're ridiculous and I want to, I'll gloss over them because I could spend six hours on this, but I'm going to disagree and say that there is one time, but I'll wait until the end and I'll tell you yeah, what I think. And I'm sure there's one time I'm being, uh, yeah, I'm being <laughs> a little bit loud on this intentionally, but, um, so change in job status, like why the heck would you no, I'm just going to pass that one. That's dumb. I'm not going to take that at all. Kids preparing to go to college. So this is one of the classic moves by a financial advisor. Um, they want to be able to help you put your kids through college. And the way they help you is by you giving them money for them to invest for you, for your kids to go to college. Newsflash, uh, states, almost every single one of them have plans that are low cost and are specifically set up to do this. So you can do this without a financial advisor. He's absolutely useless in this uh, in this function. Uh, yeah, change in marital status. What's some that? of the we've talked about some of the college plans. If you wanted to do some sort of college plan, right? Like you don't need it. Like you could literally call your bank and just be like, 
you know, what, what is it? What is it? A five Oh nine B or something? Or five twenty nine. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. If that's what uh, you wanted to do, you could just call them and, and do it and then and just I, invest in like, you know, an index fund against the, you know, S and P 500 or something. Almost every state sponsors a five twenty nine plan. So a lot of them are through Vanguard and Fidelity. Uh, I think ours mm-hmm. is through Fidelity. So it's really easy to just go to the website from the state and invest in a 529. And then if you use theirs, you usually get a state tax break. So it's kind of a, a double positive. Yep. Uh, change in marital status. Uh, I've been through a divorce. I can't say that one of the things I was thinking about was telling a financial advisor about it. Because again, their <laughs> advice is going to be, hey, this is traumatic. You should give me money to invest for you. That's not good advice, especially at that time. Um, <laughs> death or care of a parent. I, really having a hard time on this one too. This is another way to get some of your generational wealth that you're trying to build or that your parent just left you. That's a, a common thing is when someone dies, you get handed a financial advisor. And then you think because your parents had that person that they trusted them and you should now keep them employed. That's a horrible strategy. You should fire the person the first week. Um, Planning to retire. Okay, so this is the one I will give some credence to. And this may be where you were going, but I'll go ahead and go here first. Um, If you are planning to retire and you're getting close, uh, fee-only financial advisor to review your plan and what you think is the right thing you're about to do would not be a bad step. So when I say fee-only, AJ, I call you and say, hey, Mr. Wealthy Idiot, I need a financial plan. I'm about to retire. And you say, got it. I charge $1,200 for those. And I say, deal. Where do I meet you? And you respond with your office address and all the list of documents you need. And then we sit down and talk through how you think my plan is and what changes I could make. That's a, you know, I pay you, you give me a service, and then we break the relationship. Clean as it can be. Uh, Again, that's called a you know, a fee, simple financial advisor, a fee only financial advisor. So I think that's a, the key part of that birth of a child. Again, no financial advisor shouldn't be involved in childbirth. Um, and then change of health. I think you should probably consider talking to an attorney about wills and living wills. If you have a change in health, maybe try to buy some term life insurance, but not major. Yeah. Not major purchases. That's dumb too. Yeah. The whole thing is off pace. What do you got? I know you're thinking something. <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, the, I think that I, I my my idea overlapped with your retirement plan just a smidge, and I would say that like if you're making any kind of major financial decisions about how to handle particular events, um, a fee only advisor is what I would go to if that was the case. So like what I, what I'm referring to here is like if you want to retire and you're like okay I don't exactly know how to handle this retirement thing. I'm watching a lot of the YouTube videos and I'm nervous about it. I want to go talk to an expert, right? A fee only advisor. If you're like, look, um, you know, I have a pretty good estate and I don't know what to do when it comes to my kids. I know for sure. I don't want to just hand them all this cash. So I want to set up some sort of trust, right? A fee only advisor would be a good idea, right? So like anything where you're just unsure about how the thing works and you're unsure about how to do it yourself, And I would say, give yourself a little bit of time, right? So like, you know, in the case of like a, you know, they even listed in here a 529, like on the birth of a child, go to YouTube and watch some videos about a 529 plan, go to Google and look up some 529 stuff, uh, call your bank and ask them. Those are all free ways to get information. And you might find enough information to accomplish that yourself, right? 
And if you feel like you did all that and you still haven't accomplished it, that may be the one time you should pull in a fee-only financial advisor. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can even look at this list and say some of them aren't a financial advisor job at all. And I'm mainly talking about change in marital status. That could be a CPA, uh, death or care of a parent. That's likely an attorney. And then uh, your example with an estate. I mean, that's an attorney function. That's an estate attorney function, not a financial advisor function. So I think financial advisors try to give themselves a lot of credit for yeah. for things they can't even do legally. So. Yeah. Well, no, my, my point was just like, if you just don't know what to do, yeah, absolutely. You, know, you could talk to someone that knows what to do. If that makes you feel yep. more comfortable, I would say that's the one time. But if you watch that's wealthy it. idiots and read our content, you should know kind of what to do. <laughs> yeah. You should have a good idea. <laughs> yes. Or we've at least pointed right. you in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So right. uh, open up a Roth IRA. Absolutely. Once you open up the Roth IRA, get to hey, $6,000 in there. You know what? It's funny. Once you We're get to, get to $6,000 in there, then Why? put it into something really broad. And You're then leaping don't ahead to the next topic. Oh, my bad, dog. You are. I was just trying to give that free financial advice. So the reason. Also, uh, this to, is not financial advice. It's not. It's uh, coaching. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, to wrap up that conversation, though, um, you know, I, I talk a lot of I say a lot of bad things about financial advisors, and I mean virtually all of them. Uh, but the reason I say them is because at the end of the day, you can accomplish 99% of the things financial advisors can by buying an index fund at a low cost brokerage. So your brokerages like Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard, they're low cost. Um, they're not going to charge you hidden fees and you can invest on your own and let your money build for you and not somebody else. That's the, yep. the biggest not reason only that, I say that. But like... If you call your brokerage and you ask them, like, how do I do this thing? They are more than happy to tell you how to do that for free. Yeah. They want amazing. you to be doing it. Right. So like, if you're feeling like, I don't know how to start one, I don't know how to start investing. Once I get a, a brokerage account, that's okay. Like give them a call and be like, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. They'll walk you through that. Yep. Absolutely. So, uh, we'll close out on that one. We got a third topic and I want to break real quick. I need to tell you, I've only got 10 minutes left. So, okay. We can knock it out right. in 10. Let's do it. Yep. All right. So uh, the next thing we want to talk about is 2023. So you brought up an interesting thing a minute ago. I don't think you meant to do it, but you talked about the Roth IRA. So if you have not funded I your did. Roth IRA for 2022, what, you've only got a couple weeks left, right? No, yeah. wrong. You have until April 15th of the following year to fund your 2022 Roth IRA. So keep that in mind. It's uh, hey, a hey. Key, key thing people forget about. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but additionally, this is really the time to think about things like 401k, the IRS in, uh, limit increased from 20,500 a year to 22,500. So if you're going to increase your 401k contributions, now is usually the time to adjust that in your paycheck at work. Uh, Roth IRA went from 6,000 to 6,500. So that Woo. jumped 500 as well. Uh, HSA limit increased, uh, all those things went up across the board due to inflation, like we've talked Doo -doo. about. Yep. So Due to uh, inflation. not good, but good for you because you can at least save more money in tax deferred and tax advantaged accounts. So that's kind of a positive, um, you know, but what are your things you're thinking about for 23? Like what's your, you know, you work what, 14 days from the end of the year. I mean, what's on your mind? Yeah. So um, like I said earlier, at this point, I don't think there's a whole lot of experts arguing that this recession isn't coming anymore. Right. Like for a while there, everyone was saying there is no recession. There will be no recession. And then now they're saying it's coming, but it's the Federal Reserve's fault. So at least they're like saying 
like, okay, look, this is happening, but it shouldn't have happened. It's, you know, it's man-made, you know, whatever the cause is, you know, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, once we hit a recession, we're in a recession. And some of the stuff I want people to keep in mind about was that we broke down the um, dollar cost averaging um, in an episode a while back. I'll link to it somewhere, one of these two sides. And it showed that in 2008, if you were to continue buying through 2008, you would have bounced back in about half a year. If you waited until the recession was over to start buying again and investing again, it took three to four years to bounce back, right? That's such a tremendous difference in time because what you're doing is buying when everything is at the bottom. So I want to encourage everyone, first of all, to keep investing. Find a way to keep investing through 2023 because your ability to bounce back when the recession is over is going to be so much better if you do so. The next thing is layoffs are coming like crazy and companies are laying people off expecting a recession, which means layoffs are going to be worse when a recession actually comes, right? So if, and the first people to go are the people who are the newest at the job, the people who have the lowest um, review scores um, are the first people to leave. So we saw this whole quiet quitting trend, like just don't work so hard or just go find a job where you can like sit at home and do nothing all day, except for like fiddle around on your phone. Those are going to be the first people to go though. That's advice for like a great economy. It's not advice for like a coming recession. So if you have a job, now's the time to make sure you keep it, work harder, put your head down, don't switch jobs. All that stuff can happen at the end of this recession, but you want to be able to have good income to be able to continue to invest through this recession. And the way to do that is to not make waves right now. Like I'm not saying that's always the case. I'm just saying right now is the time to not make waves. The next thing is increase that emergency fund. If you're feeling nervous, right? It's okay to have an emergency fund. That's a little too big right now. I would advise against not it. You know, like don't stop investing to put stuff into your emergency fund, you know, find some other location to get that cash from, like whether it's a side hustle or cutting expenses, right? Don't stop investing to to boost it. But if you feel more comfortable with something bigger than six months, I would, you know, do something like that to make sure you're okay. Um, yeah, I I had one more thing and I can't think of what it was now. So you think uh, Lamborghini January, that's your 2023? No, yes. I know. <laughs> My 2023 plan is to buy a Lambo in January. No, definitely not doing that. Yeah, avoid big purchases. I think that was the last one. So you, you help me even without knowing about it, but avoid you. big purchases at all costs right now. D- don't do it. Right. It's not worth it. Like real estate. Everyone says it's going to drop. Even the federal reserve says it's going to drop. Right. It's okay to hold out for a little bit on real estate. Um, new cars, just skip it. Like if your car's okay, ride it through this recession, get one at the end. Um, I don't know what other big purchases people are trying to do, but right now is yeah. not the time. And we also know when it rains, it pours. So if you get laid off, inevitably your air conditioner will stop working. I mean, yep. that's that's how it goes. So just uh, plan ahead. Uh, we know it's getting a little bit of rocky, a little bit rocky. So end of year planning can go a long ways. Uh, maybe delay your vacation in 2023 until the later months where you kind of know what's happening. So just things like that that'll really help out in planning. Um, and then, oh, lastly, budget. Uh, this is definitely the time to review your 2022 budget in anticipation for 2023. Uh, you should find ways you can trim the fat, uh, maybe bulk up some of those investments and make good choices for uh, the next new year. Yeah. So on that note, uh, my family, we're not trimming our budget, but we're also not inflating it this year. 
So generally, we look at our budget and we inflate it a bit every year so that we can continue growing and getting you know a little fancier you know, every single year. But this year, we're keeping it flat despite the raises and everything that we got back in October. So we're writing all that stuff into investments as much as we possibly can. Yeah, that's a good strategy. And I'm, I'm doing more or less the same thing. Uh, I'm, hopefully my daughter gets accepted into pre-K and I no longer have a daycare bill. And then that money will be invested as well. So that would be a nice mid-year surplus of investment funds. Uh, but again, can't 100% bank yeah. on that yet. So it's in that middle limbo stage where I don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. Kids are costly little buggers, man. Did you know that you have to feed them every day? So Nobody yeah. told me that. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was one of those unknowns. Um, yeah, I didn't realize how quick they went through underwear and other things. They're expensive, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, what do they do with their underwear? I don't want to know the answer to that. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, expensive. Yeah. Wearing it on so, their heads, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, <laughs> no, but I think uh, I think we covered everything. You know, just trying to give you some uh, overview of you know 2023 and what you should be looking out for. All right, cool. Thanks for coming on, DC. Super appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, tell your family hi and have a good uh, holiday break. Yeah, you do the same. And uh, Merry Christmas to you guys. I'm sure we'll talk. But uh, yeah, I hope you have a good one. All right, cool. Thanks, everyone, for stopping by. We super appreciate it. If you haven't yet, checked out WealthEdious.com. We got tips, tax tips especially, coming up because of tax season, calculators for all this financial stuff we're throwing at you. And thanks for stopping by. Have a good one.